Now, okay, Bay City Outreach Center. Okay, how many know that prophecy is not what is going to come to pass? That's a good opening statement, isn't it? Prophecy is the intention of God to come to pass. It's what God's intention is. So if any of you have received individual prophetic words, know that that's God's intention. There has to be the cooperation of the heart receiving it in order for it to become a reality. So number one, I want to assure you that a prophetic word is God's intention of what needs to take place. Secondly, never underestimate God's timing. Because there are always other pieces of a jigsaw that God is putting together and other people that God is working with and other circumstances that he is arranging. And so often what could have been done in a day may take a year and what could have been done in a year may take ten. But it's God's intention and God will do it in his timing if you play your part. Okay, let's take a look at the very first um, scene that God showed me. And um, it was a cloak. The first thing I saw was a cloak. It was like a mantle. And bursting through it came these rays of light through openings here and there in the mantle itself. And they were like holes that had been made to let the light through. Now, the incredible thing was that I saw that whenever this mantle had been worn, the beams of light that would come through would touch the lives of people and they would be having an encounter with God. However, I noticed two things about it. And by the way, when I say I notice, I actually see these things as I'm writing them down. And what I noticed was that these holes in the fabric were not completely through the fabric. It was a strange thing. You could never come up with this in the natural. It was like, there were, it's like the fabrics were made of many, many layers. And the holes that had been put through the fabric had only gone through maybe three quarters of the layers. So there was one or two layers that still hadn't been pushed through in this hole. And so the light that was coming through, although it was having an effect and it was wonderful, it, it, it had not reached its potential because of these remaining layers that had hindered the full power of the light coming through. The second thing that I saw were that holes were relatively small and therefore only aspects of light could be seen at any given time, never the full source of the light itself coming through. And the result of the effect of this was, one, that the effect uh, seemed to be limited, and two, not deeply lasting, very significant, but not deeply lasting and it was like the light could only penetrate the surface of the people that it touched and I actually saw it doing this it, it would penetrate the surface and certainly it would be significant and it would be very valuable but, but, but it wouldn't penetrate deep on the inside okay when I was watching this suddenly the Lord showed me that there was a second mantle on the other side and this was one of many many colors and whenever it was worn, it would bring people to a place of health and strength. And people just came into strength and health as soon as this mantle was worn. After a time, and this is what I, and please stay with me if it seems strange, it will all be in something in a moment. And after a time, it was the second mantle that became the dominant one. And at times, the first mantle would actually be left on a coat stand and only used selectively at times. I said, Lord, what are these mantles? And the Lord told me that the first mantle <clears throat> was the mantle of the miraculous. 
the supernatural. The, the second mantle was the mantle of teaching, the teaching of the word, the truth of the word revealed, the revelation of the word. And it was then that I saw a really wonderful thing. Because I saw someone wearing the second mantle. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, someone's wearing... I, I need something for my throat. Sorry. <coughs> That'll do me great. I think I just swallowed a hair out of my moustache. <coughs> it's a hazard, you know. Okay. <coughs> Where did I get to? I got to a hair in my throat. Okay. The person wearing the second mantle suddenly fell to his knees. And this is the mantle of teaching. And he fell to his knees and this visitation of God, I could literally see it taking place, and it came like a great shaft of light and it came on this, on this person wearing this mantle and I saw something taking place. I saw awe and wonder. Then I saw weeping and I saw brokenness and then I saw revelation and understanding and then I saw very specifically the holiness of God mingled with the friendship of God and these things were taking place in this encounter and I saw that one then stand to his feet with that teaching mantle now glowing with a great sense of fresh understanding and fresh revelation by the Holy Spirit and as I watched um he walked over to where that first mantle, the mantle of the miraculous, the first mantle was hanging there and carefully and sensitively I saw him take hold of that mantle but what he began to do was strange because what he began to do was unweave the garment. He began to unweave the garment and, and, and take it apart as it were until finally it, two things happened, and it was a, like a two-stage thing. The first stage was that the light that was shining through that mantle came with far greater clarity and far greater power. That was stage one. And then stage two, something happened, and I literally, I saw this before my very eyes. The whole garment began to change. I mean, it actually changed. And the more he touched it, and the more he applied the revelation of the truth and understanding that he'd received, to that first mantle, the more transparent the fabric became until finally it was totally transparent. And the brilliance that was coming through it was incredible. It was truly amazing. And whoever was now touched by the light of that first mantle was now no longer affected superficially but affected to the very core of their being. And I saw that the transformation of life was one, more complete and all-encompassing, and two, far more lasting with its impact. And the Lord told me that there was coming a new understanding and revelation of the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit in this church. He said that the glimpses of, and I have no idea about, the last time I saw Mike, 26 years ago, so I have no idea what kind of a church you've been, nothing about you. I was in Melbourne uh, over a week ago, and God began to speak to me, and I wrote this stuff down. I didn't know whether you had 50 people, or 120, or whether you had a building, or you met in a pup tent. I really did not know. And so I want to assure you of that. And this is what the Lord said. He said that the glimpses of his power shown in former days 
were but a foretaste of that which was to come. And that the miraculous would now occur not only through the ministry of the one carrying the mantle, but even more mightily through one, the one carrying the second mantle. And it was as if the people were receiving teaching on what truly governs a supernatural life of the Holy Spirit, and they were receiving it in such a way through the revelation of the Word that they individually gained a revelation of it and began to walk in it as individuals. And the thing that I felt so strongly was that God's objective was not just individual moments of the miraculous in your corporate gatherings, although they would definitely be there and they would be more consistent and more powerful. But in actual fact, God's ultimate objective was beyond that. It was the living of a supernatural life, a life no longer governed by human limitation. As I said last night or yesterday or the day, or I don't know when it was, a supernatural people living a supernatural life, revealing a supernatural Christ. Now, it is God's intention that this church glean from every previous season and cry out to God for a fresh season that is now to come. And as you do so, it is God's intention to make this house a house of the miraculous, where ordinary people do extraordinary things. Now, I want to tell you something by the Holy Ghost that as good and wonderful and to be desired is visitations of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the corporate gathering and people being touched by the Spirit of God. Thank God for it, long for it, thank God for it and believe for it. But it is, that is, that, that is like, that is God's touch, yes, and it's wonderful and you should believe for it, but listen to me. What God's ultimate objective is, is every single individual one of you getting a personal revelation as the Word of God takes effect within you and you suddenly realize that the supernatural power of God that changes things and creates miracles is actually inside of you because it's a person called the Holy Spirit. And He wants your revelation to take place inside of your spirit. And I saw ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Some of the things I saw you doing, um, when I say you doing, I mean you. I'm not talking about somebody on the front row, I'm talking about you. If you can hear my voice and you're still breathing, I'm talking about you. There'll be extraordinary acts of compassion, extraordinary acts of healing, extraordinary marriage reconciliations, extraordinary miracles of finance. Extraordinary acts of mercy and caring, sacrificial acts of mercy and caring. Extraordinary acts of wisdom and counsel. And then the next thing that I saw is, is critical. And I'm going to repeat it once I've given it to you because everything I've said depends. And, and when I wrote that down and I was actually up interceding for you again this morning, it was like God just gripped me when I came to the, reading this next little paragraph and I, I, I underlined it and I put things around it uh, and I want to say this, and I, I wrote this down this morning, I felt God say this so clearly, the statement has a non-negotiable progression in it and God just said, this next statement is non-negotiable 
And this is what I saw. I saw people who, in touching God's holiness and purity, this is what I wrote down a week ago, in touching God's holiness and purity, discover his friendship. In touching his friendship, they discover his boldness and his compassion. In touching his boldness and his compassion, they discover his miraculous. Now, I'm just going to read it again because I don't tamper with these things when God gives them to me, okay? I just want to read it again and, and pastoral staff can do what they like with it. But in touching God's holiness and purity, they discover his friendship. In touching his friendship, they discover his boldness and compassion. In touching his boldness and compassion, they discover the miraculous. And God is going to raise up an army of people that will take that progression of thought and they will start where God said to start and they'll pay the price to walk through the stages and when they come forth in the miraculous, it won't be some special moment for a special occasion on some specially awesome meeting. It's going to be a way of life that touches people from Monday to Friday, nine o'clock in the morning till midnight and it's going to be a, a wave of people living a miraculous life that is going to grip the attention of this city and of this region. Okay. Scene number two, which is a totally different one now. That's, that's complete. That's all I saw on the first one. So, and the second scene that I saw was entirely different. I saw a runner. I saw a runner carrying a baton. You know, you know like a relay race baton thing. Baton or whatever you call it. And I saw that he had run with great distinction. And then as he came to the time when he was going to prepare to hand that baton on, I'll call it a baton, okay? The baton began to grow in his hand. And as the closer he came to the time when he was going to hand that baton to the next runner, the, 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 this baton, it was strange when you're looking at this thing and you're actually seeing it, it, it became so large and it became so heavy. And I saw the concern looking in his eyes. I, could he continue to carry it? It just continued to grow and became heavy. Could he continue to carry it? Was it now too large and too heavy to even pass into the hand of another runner? Uh, would the new runner be able to carry something that had that kind of weight and size? Very valid questions. But that's where the scene became really, really exciting. Because as he came around the bend, he stretched out his hand, which suddenly, and I, I, can, I tell you, it was amazing, he suddenly became incredibly strong. I mean, his arm became so strong and he held this huge baton in front of him as if it were something small and light. It was effortless. It was like the closer he got to the time when he was going to give the baton to the other, his arm grew with such strength that he carried it so easily. It was a supernatural ease and a wonderful grace from God. Now, as the new runner reached back to receive it, that's when the second really amazing thing took place. And, of course, you've never seen this thing in a natural. That's why I could never come up with it. Uh, when, I, I, when he reached back to receive this huge, great baton from this runner, the baton suddenly, in front of my eyes, became several batons, all, all part of one. It was like suddenly he wasn't handing over one baton anymore. It was lots of smaller ones. And, and as the new runner received them into his hand... 
he almost immediately, as soon as he received them into his hands, he almost immediately held them out in front of himself to where several other runners had suddenly appeared. And he handed to each runner a a, a baton and kept one for himself. And then they all ran the race together as a team. And And at that moment, the Lord gave me two words just like blazed them into my spirit. It was, it was cool. Now, I'm not going to get over dramatic with you, but I'm telling you now, you really don't need DVDs when you get into this stuff. I, I, I mean, I have seen the, some of the coolest things, I tell you what. It makes, it makes Star Wars look silly, okay? And, and, and the Lord gave me these two words that came at me, transition and multiplication. Transition and multiplication. And then he said this to me, that a new era was emerging and that part of this new season that would come would be a multiplication of ministries and leadership gifts. And then what I saw was really quite unique because as they completed this lap together and effectively won the race, speaking of achieving the objective, here's the cool thing. They haven't finished yet. This still keeps going. The color of the baton in the hands of some of the runners, changed. Now, some stayed the same and some changed in color. And i am really got my interest now. And those batons, listen to me, that stayed, those batons that stayed the same color as the original, lined up for a further race together to the one that had been given the baton. And, the, and they so they just ran on together. But the ones that had been given the same baton to begin with, but their baton had changed color. Now, the ones that had a changed color come into their baton, they didn't run on with the team, but they actually ran out of the stadium altogether in different directions to find other stadiums to run in. And it was really quite amazing. But it wasn't aimless running. It was actually under divine command. And it was by the, it was by the acknowledgement and release of the second lead runner, the one that the batons had been given to. But secondly, and this is the thing that caught me almost by surprise, it actually involved the strategic directives of the original runner. The, the, the one that had started the whole thing, that had given the big baton and, and handed the baton on to the runner, suddenly he's back very much, and the original runner was still involved, but now as a director of those who would run forth to other stadiums. It was a really amazing thing. And when they arrived, when these runners arrived at their respective stadiums, they began to run, and what happened originally with the original runner actually happened again and history repeated itself and the baton became many batons and they handed them on to many runners and it just like history happening all over again and the Lord showed me and I wrote it down and here we go that there had come a very strong multiplied leadership grace in this local church that the cultivation and release of leaders would be an ongoing part of the DNA of this local church. And that some of these leaders in the years that lie ahead would take that DNA and see it multiplied in many other places. And that there would come a time, and here's where I get very specific, how many know that prophecy is subject to be judged? The final say on all of this is not me. It's your leadership team, okay? I say that very clearly. 
That, but it seemed to me that there would come a time. Everybody say time. So time could mean anything, couldn't it? One of, one of the most significant words that ever was given to Margaret and I just after we were married was by Sister Violet Kitely. You remember her at all? Amazing prophetess of God. Amazing prophetess of God. And, and, and when Margaret and I just got married, and I lived for the streets. I, I, was, I was preaching on the corners and winning souls in the streets and teen challenge. I, I, that's all I pulsated for, right? And, and, and she came in, and she, she prophesied over me. And she says, a teacher... Teaching, teaching, I can see you teaching, uh, and you shall teach rows upon rows, and even leaders shall you teach in the years that lie ahead. And then she went to prophesy over Margaret. Well, I didn't hear a word she's saying over Margaret. You know what I'm saying on the inside? Teaching, teaching, teaching. And I said these exact words. I said, teaching? Lord, what's this teaching rubbish? I said, my God, you see the cry in my heart for the heathen? What is this teaching? I don't want to teach. And this is what I'm going on, you see. I'm, not in do I'm doing it inwardly. She stops. Well, a word of a lie. She stops halfway through a sentence over Margaret and whirls around and says, Now, you, listen here. You, I do see that cry in your heart for the heathen, but you will teach. And she went back to him. And I... <laughs> I slipped my brain into neutral. I said, I'm not thinking another thing while that woman's in the room. But it, when it came, it sounded weird to me. And everybody in the room thought it was because they all saw me as this lunatic young evangelist and they didn't see teeth. But seven years later, when the charismatic thing hit in Manuriva, the Anglican church reached out and said, would you come and teach us for two or three nights a week so that we can get a handle on what's happening and never look back. And, and a major part of what I do now is teach pastors and leaders in rows upon rows. Okay? Uh, but it took seven years before that actually began to unfold. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? I gave a word. You all know Brent Douglas here, don't you? Yeah. Well, I gave Brent Douglas a word uh, um, at, at his inauguration 20-odd uh, years ago when he first went into the ministry. And I described a pathway and trees and a driveway and what it looked like and what the office block looked like and what the building looked like and the view that they would see out the back of the building and it took 23 years for that one to come to pass all right but he's now in the building okay but the, i'm trying to communicate this word time okay there would come a time when mike's role in this house will definitely change and subject to you know this is going to be judged but what I believe God was saying, that it would go from being senior pastor to being apostolic. And then that time would be a time when the original scene that I saw with that runner would then kick into being and the rest would unfold in the timing of God. Now, I'm just going to leave it at that. It's not for me to go further than that. Okay, and just before I close, I got three other very short little scenes. These are just little glimpses, all right? Okay, but they're specific, and I, I, I think they're really cool. The first one I saw, everybody listening? I saw an old, rumpy-looking holiday batch. 
The Aussies call them holiday house, but the holiday batch, you know what I mean by that, don't you? And, and it was by the water. But I saw you buying it and erecting this beautiful new place on that property. And I saw people scoffing and telling you that it was a waste of time and a waste of resources. Why on earth would you do that in a place that had no people and no future potential? It's ridiculous. But you had a clear word from God and you did not listen to the voices and you went ahead and you did it. And it's a little bit like the Noah story really because the scoffing all ceased when suddenly there came a rezoning in that area and it was suddenly opened up for housing and people by the scores began to come into the area. And God is going to, God is going to burden your heart in his time. Everybody say time. Good. God is going to burden your heart at some time to plant a church and even produce a building or buy a building and, and put another building that wasn't particularly clear but it was in a place where, 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 which seems completely illogical completely ridiculous absurd why would anybody plant a church there there isn't any people I mean it's nuts but people won't think it quite so ridiculous when the rezoning takes place and people will pour into that area. And the value of property is going to soar to a level that had never been anticipated. And if you had waited till the people had come, you could never have afforded to buy the property. And the property will turn out to be of great value, one, to the kingdom of God because of the souls of men and women, and two, in monetary terms, it will become a great asset. And God quickened that scripture to me just this morning in prayer from Jeremiah 32, I think it is, Mike, where it talks about land and, and, and will yet be purchased in this place that you call desolate. Hmm? And, 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 you know, they bought land when, when it was desolate and you got it for nothing and, and because nobody was there. And But it, God said it will yet again come to a place of being inhabited. Okay. All right, can you go another five minutes? Okay. I'm coming to a close now. The final thing other than one little thing I saw was a group of people who appeared to me in very specific stuff this, and it's scary. You know, I know what they do with prophets whose words don't come to pass. It's ugly. They take them out in the park, park and stone them. You know, it's not good. So... Um, I ain't not coming back. All right, no. Um, I'll come back in a tank. Um, all right. What I saw was a group of people who appeared to me to be like the city council. Okay? And I saw them sitting to deliberate on a matter of great social concern in this area. And what struck me about them was that they all were bewildered and confused and simply did not know what to do. What do we do about this problem? 
Then I saw some of you from this local church coming to them with sheaves of wheat, whilst others of you came with, with, with um, the components of a flour mill, and others were carrying plans and blueprints to put the mill together, and it was all quite bizarre. And the Lord showed me that there would come a time when there would, in this area when there would come a significant social challenge which would cause great concern to this community, and it would, showed me that the answer was not for you to meet the need financially or sacrificially and take up an offering and do it but to actually place the components of change that's the words he gave me place the components of change into the hands of the council and the community and supply the expertise to make it work efficiently and I have no idea what that means the way there would that way there will be an ongoing involvement and credibility and an ongoing sense of need on their part and they would look to you for the ongoing answers. And like there came an involvement of certain people in this church with the council and the meeting of that need. And the challenge that came with that word is this, and I want you to get, all get a hold of this, because the challenge in the immediate is to build your credibility in the community, with the council, with the community, with your acts of compassion and involvement so that when the time comes that I've just spoken of, you will have a platform of credibility from which you will be able to speak. The final scene took about two seconds. And I want you all to lock in because it, talking about you as an individual. The final scene was like a banner. All I saw was this big banner. And the words that were written on the banner was, My people shall be willing in the day of my power. It was just as bold as anything. And the Lord reminded me of something I said earlier. Ordinary people shall be raised up to do extraordinary things. And I believe what God is calling every single one of you that call this place your church home to do this morning is to cross a line of availability. A calling to be involved a calling to say, my God, with all of this stuff coming up, it's obvious, my God, that you... you this, I want to say something to you, and I, I believe this with every fiber of my being. If you didn't want to coast through life, this couldn't, might not be the right place. Because I, I, I see a, a church triumphant being raised up uh, who are touching God in his heart and the intimacy of God in his heart and discovering the ways of the miraculous and touching people in the streets and at work and at school and down the streets on a Friday night and stuff. And I see a hub of people who thought they could do nothing suddenly realizing this is amazing, God's using me. And I tell you what, friends, all it takes is for you to cross a line of unconditional availability and say, God, use me. Now, if you will cross that line, God will do it for you. Can we just close in a word of prayer, please? I'd like you just to still yourselves, if you would. And I want you to listen. We don't need music and stuff right now. That'll be fine. I just want you to still yourself very, very quietly right now because I'm going to read something to you which is extremely important and I want you to personalize it it's a prophetic word that I gave somewhere about nine years ago I never write down a prophetic word like this I did once and God told me I had to find it and bring it to you this morning so I'm going to share it 
and I want you to personalize it. Hearken to my voice, for I'm raising up a people of power, a people whose countenance is strong because their heart is pure, a people whose faith is unwavering because their motivation is true, a people who will not allow their desire for individual gain to rob them of their inheritance in the corporate vision of my house. I raise up a people whose love for one another shall be fervent and whose loyalty shall be unshakable, whose selflessness of heart shall reflect my own example of servanthood. I raise up a people of passion, a people of prayer, a people of unconditional availability to my purpose, and I shall take this people and I shall raise up an army from whose hearts my own life shall shine. Say not that I am unworthy of that which God is now doing, for none are worthy of themselves, yet I have made them worthy by my grace. In this hour, the weak shall be made strong, the hopeless shall be given hope, the derelict shall be restored, and the timid shall roar like a lion, for this shall be the day of the transformation of men and women's hearts. I shall raise them up, and they shall do exploits together, because I shall cause them to be of one mind and one heart and one accord. I shall raise up my people of power. Give me the softened of your fully surrendered heart and see what I can do. For I shall do the work. I shall shape you. I shall mold you. I shall make you my people of power. Now just in this last second or two, if God has spoken to you this morning and you're saying in your heart right now, Father, count me in. I don't know what I've got to offer. I've got a lot of questions, but God, all I know is I want to be in. Father, count me in. Please, Lord, find something for me to do. I'm crossing a line of unconditional availability. If that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet right now. Don't stand because so many are. You stand because God spoke to you this morning. You know God spoke, and, and it doesn't matter if he didn't. You might speak tomorrow or the next month, but... Well, this is an unbelievable sight. Father, I take everyone now. Let's raise our hearts and our hands together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I take these decisions made. Father, we seal them as covenants before your throne of grace this morning. My God, we declare there shall be no turning to left or right. There shall be no looking back. But my God, there shall be a wholehearted embracing of the future that you have for each individual as well as church corporate. Father, we declare, my God, that we shall run up after you, that we shall possess the city and the nation. And Father, we believe, Lord, through everybody standing in this place today, Father, there'll come a fresh visitation of the Spirit, a fresh revelation of your Word, an understanding of who they are in Christ, and through them shall come the supernatural acts of grace and mercy and compassion, and people's lives shall be transformed. And Father, we declare over them this day your favor, O God. Lord, we seal these decisions now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, and we give you alone the honor and the praise. And we celebrate, O oh God, who you are and that which you shall do through the willing hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you tonight.
Sorry I take, took you a bit late this morning, um, but I had to discharge that. Okay, Brother Mike. Amen. Thank you very much, David. And as I say, David knew nothing about the church, so remarkable, isn't it? Amen. Okay, let's all stand. Let's give a lot of clap. Lord, we just thank you for your words to us. Thank you for your words to us as a people. May your word produce fruit that lasts. Open our heart to understand the full significance of what you require for us for your word to be fulfilled. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.